Hey guys, welcome to Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast following two game dev scrubs into game devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. And I'm Seth. And, and I'm, I'm Adam. And I'm Sam. <laughs> yeah. 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 Welcome, Butterscotch crew. What's going on? Oh, you know, nothing. Just uh, yeah, we just fell into the podcast room, and this was going on, and so yeah, and and then you somehow took over the Game Devs Quest podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, it was offered to us as a gift, so uh, yeah, right, we just yeah. took it. Well, I think. Yeah. it was yep. our mistake. You were using so much double speak, we were so confused. <laughs> it's the main purpose of business language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so this is uh, this is our podcast now. We own the trademark. Great. We, uh, we just jargoned our way right on, into it. Yep. All episodes You'll get are tens hours. of cents of revenue each week. <laughs> tens. That's pretty good, actually, That's for a, a podcast. Pretty, it's a pretty big multiplier <laughs> yeah. over our current. So. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do a money grab, but, you know. Oh, yeah. No, oh, you got to get <laughs> one gotta, of those. Yeah, you got to get in on that. You know, all the devs are doing yeah. it these days because we're all so greedy. So That's right. <laughs> you get in there. It's one of the hallmarks of being a good game dev. That's that greed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for being on the podcast. This has uh, been a long time goal of ours, honestly, to have you guys on the podcast. So we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out with us. Yeah, thanks honestly, for having if us. I knew, happy to be here. If, absolutely. If I knew how easy it would have been, I would have reached out a lot sooner. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we try to keep it very opaque so no one knows how easy yeah. going we are about things. So also, we don't have to do yeah, the longer there. you wait, just the better we are at doing podcasts. So mm -hmm. it just is true. It just gets better, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. kind of a sine wave. That's true. You know, some weeks <laughs> are worse true. than others, but on average, it's a 1% growth, <laughs> I feel like. I feel like that's just life, though. The longer you wait, the better it gets. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> if you're doing life right. If you're talking about joint yeah. pain, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Joint pain is not as good over time. <laughs> I was thinking like morning bowel movements. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just wait till the last minute. The critical <laughs> threshold. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, hey, for anyone who doesn't know you guys, tell us, what is Butterscotch all about? Uh, this I'll is take this one. This yeah. is my job. So, Butterscotch Shenanigans is a fully independent game dev studio based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Repping the Midwest pretty hard here. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we yeah. make really good games. That's, that's, that's basically it. it. Yeah. Um, and we do game development a little bit differently from some of the usual models, which is we follow a very iterative game development cycle, which basically means that we have no idea what is happening most of the time uh, <laughs> and somehow make games out of that process. Well, we don't know what is happening. We usually forget what has happened. And we also don't know what we're about to do next. It's yep. really all about living in the present. Right? <laughs> it's, it's barely. A, like it's barely hanging like, on to the present. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of how we... How we go about making stuff. Uh, we've launched five games in the last five and a half years now. Um, coming up on our sixth studio birthday, which I think makes us very old. I think studios yes. work like dogs, right? Like yeah. we age at seven times the normal rate. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so hopefully we well, keep on going. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Happy sixth birthday. Thanks. And, coming up. And so what's, the, what's your current game you're working on? So our current game we're working on is called Levelhead. It's sort of a inspiration off of platformer builders like Super Mario Maker or something like Little, Little Big Planet, and it's going to be a cross-platform 
platforming and building game where you build levels and share them with your friends across the whole internet. So that's been about nine months in a dev, and who knows how long it'll keep on taking. But hopefully it'll be done <laughs> soon because we want to kick another game out because it's been too long. It's yes. been a while. <laughs> Sorry. Taylor and I just look at each other like, oh, you got this? Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. normally kind of do the remote uh, podcast thing. So I actually spent the night at Rhett's house last night, which was a, a first since like high school. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's kind of hot. Actually. Yeah. You guys so stay up playing video weird games in the same room. Yeah. But just eating Tootsie Rolls uh, and like, you know, stayed up too late, wearing pajamas. Yeah. We fights. did stay up way too late. We played some poker last night. It got pretty crazy five dollar buy-in i think we all Ooh. maybe won a dollar and lost a dollar <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah. money barely changed hands it yeah. was wild yeah <laughs> you could buy yourself a mobile game with that kind right, of yeah. <laughs> i was hoping to save up for Crashlands, but you know nope. i didn't make enough didn't make it yeah. it's one of the yeah. most expensive games there is on mobile. <laughs> yeah it's unreachable <laughs> Uh, that seven dollar price tier. Yeah, we did all of our first what like sixty podcasts remotely. Also, yeah, yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. a it's a process. Yeah, because you, you got no body language to read off of to figure out when someone's about to talk, which is brutal right. because you can't. It's hard to do the whole smooth conversing and segueing thing. Although that was, yeah. we found uh, that. In, in audacity, the truncate silences maneuver was sort oh, of. Oh, yeah. That, mm-hmm. You know, once you use that thing, nobody can tell. Nobody knows how long <laughs> we just sat here silently. There's no such thing as an awkward silence <laughs> yeah. in editing land. So, who was the main editor back in the day? For the, pod, for the podcast. Okay, we're, we're losing our audio. Losing you. Uh oh. Okay, no. You're back. You're okay, back. We're back. All right. We're back. We're back. Loose connection. After a quick word from our sponsors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I asked, who was the main editor of your podcast back in the day? Because now you guys have uh, Fat Bard, right? Yes. Yeah. So the guy who does our sound now, we just throw the podcast to him every uh, every Monday when we get ours recorded. He We're takes like, fix this. He's got skills, and so it takes him yeah. just mere moments. Yeah, it takes him, I think, like 15 minutes to do the whole thing. Yeah, I think when we wow. started, Sam did all the editing, and then I took over at some point. Uh, it was a three-hour. It was, yeah, it was like a two- or three-hour oh, yeah. deal. Oh, my God. Um, well, the, the thing that really stretches it out is, is the hour-long weeping break in the middle. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like that kind of... <laughs> Where it makes like, the process. Just where did break. I go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I invest all this energy? And that pocket? was the main thing yeah. we we invested in in outsourced editing for was so that somebody else could be weeping on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Those contractor well, you, tears are fantastic. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. If you would have made it to seventy episodes edited, then you could start holding in your weeping breaks. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's yeah. where you get that expertise required to stifle those emotions down. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just figure out you can hold them in long enough to put them towards the end. Mm-hmm. Just get all the work done, then weep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Then do that before bedtime because then you're just exhausted and then you sleep real well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> this is podcast tears. <laughs> yep. All right. So I got a, well, sort of a game dev question for you guys. Because you guys, like a lot of your podcast is about being motivated, being productive. And yeah. you guys seem like you're accomplishing a lot all the time, like at an astronomical level compared to a lot of just mere mortals like us. Mm-hmm. So... How how is it that you guys stay so motivated, and what do you do to avoid burnout? 
This looks kind of funny. We just talked about this this morning on our own. Are you guys getting burned out too? But I think, well, I think uh, the burnout yes, question somebody is slightly had, different. Yeah, somebody had asked us this in our for because we always answer our, on our own podcast. We have you know user questions, and one of them was literally exactly verbatim. Right. <laughs> How do you say was it? it me? Was it you? Was yeah, it, that's what I'm yeah. It was of... me back in time writing text to you. <laughs> but we can we can take a different tack with it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, let's I'm just have sure. a different answer this time, just to kind of shake okay. things. Okay, shake yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Just confuse uh, everyone. Right, we'll start on this one, which is the burnout question. So we'll take that angle first. So how do you? One is how do you? You know, how do you play the long game with how do you how do you approach this as a marathon instead of just sprinting and then vomiting all over the place in a pool of your own tears and excrement, you know, <laughs> which you um, can still do in a marathon. I probably would. That's true. You got a lot of time in a marathon. You could basically spend half the time just vomiting, vomiting. Yeah, I think some people do. In fact. <laughs> uh, it's that carbo which actually, beforehand. Maybe, maybe that is the metaphor for what you're getting at here, which is, you know, it's really just all about. Vomiting and running. It's about yeah. You, <laughs> you just, gotta learn how to multitask. <laughs> you just gotta. Well, it's not about multitasking. You gotta. You gotta choose the right time for each one. It's you a know? frequency question. So how yeah. how how long of a stretch do you go running before you say it's time now for <laughs> for me to take my vomit break and just you know let let it out because so I think the the big thing for us with burnout, um, you know, a lot of people say a lot of people in the states in particular, um, Americans are very obsessed with working a lot. Right, so a lot. Like, Not about the quality, yeah. right? Just about like, the quantity. Oh, I put, <laughs> right, in, I, yeah. I put in seventy hours at the job last week, and it's like, well, I mean, if you had to do you that, doing, maybe you're doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. Scientifically, we know that probably you weren't productive for basically half of that time. About sixty-three of them, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. and if you look at you know the average <laughs> amount of productive time that a someone who works in an office gets because of the usual rate of interruptions and stuff, you're looking at like two hours a day of you know actual work time, supposedly according to some of these studies. Um, and so it really, for us, the the ability to work in these really long stretches comes actually to the level of focus that we put into every single hour. So, um, And saying no to a lot of stuff. Yeah, we say no to most things, which is why it's actually kind of hard to contact us, for example. That's so, very, that's a design choice that we made. Yeah, so that, how did we slip in? <laughs> well, we, we ran into you at the, you know, at the, at, at the Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> um, or I guess we got you this going You knew we it, were but, real. Yeah, yeah, you're real yeah. people. But uh, actually, a good story about this is the the time when uh, post Crashlands, we actually sort of experienced some legit burnout, and it largely came from the fact that we had the game was out. Um, it was doing well, but that meant that there were tons of people playing it. That meant that there were tons of bug reports coming in. We were monitoring communications across seven different channels, from Steam to Twitter to Facebook and Reddit reviews. Emails. Yeah. And then these contact forms coming in in a couple of different places. And so it was just this. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember it. It was like, it hurt. It was the worst. It was about six weeks of just kind of bouncing back and forth between reading feedback, reading duplicated feedback, collecting it, organizing it, trying to turn it into useful stuff, and then fixing it. Yeah. And, and, and so it, and it honestly, like, that was. That was the worst, which was crazy because like you had this, in our case, this final achievement of actually making enough money off a game to be like, we're legit now. Uh, but you, you don't get survive. to enjoy that moment because yeah. you're buried. Because everybody's bothering you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so uh, that was when we really, really experienced that that feeling of burnout. Actually, in terms of our game dev, people were always surprised that we, while we do work really hard, um, you know, we don't actually tend to overwork ourselves in terms of your hours well, we, I mean, we work eight to 10 hour days probably mm -hmm. um, on average, but it's not 
And in a back early on, we probably worked more than that a lot of the time. Um, but since probably midway through Crashlands Dev, it's basically just eight to ten hours a day. Mm-hmm. Pretty reasonable hours. Uh, we just don't. We just are basically putting in as much time as possible into the actual creating of the things. But recognizing when you know when you're approaching that point where you're done. So, yeah. you know whether your brain's fried or you just need to go for a walk or whatever else. And we found ways to sort of stretch out that productive time, whether that's you know going to the gym and like taking a nap or something like that. Literally right after your normal work day, do eight hours gym and nap, eat some food, and then you could get another couple hours in. Um, but that's not the sort of sustainable thing that we're after. So a lot of our focus has just been on figuring out a good cadence for those work days and then protecting the time during the work day so that it is actually focused time. Because I'm sure you guys have had the experience where you you carve out just like an hour maybe two hours for something and you can just, you can make an incredible amount of progress in that time if no one bothers you. Yeah. So that's sort of been key to our, what we and that includes are. the internet. So yeah, we're, we're doing a lot of, you know, we, we stay off of Twitter. We stay off of Facebook. We well, st- we, we come into work in the morning and we turn our phones off Yeah, and they're off until five o'clock. Well, my phone is on silent because uh, I have to do my two factor authentication for every right. day. Every now and then you got to, the you got to log into something, but yeah, yeah so we, we kind of, we're strong believers in the idea that people oftentimes, and, and I think the phrasing is, is kind of telling because it does indicate something. Cause you guys were like, Oh, we're mere mortals, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, there's the implication that there's, that there's like something fundamentally different internally, like in us, that's different than what other people have which just isn't the case. Uh, it's really just that we're looking at motivation and burnout and those things as uh, external structural problems, not as mm-hmm. internal personal problems. And so if we say, I feel like I can't get any work done because people interrupt me all the time. So then we, we all got these for 15 bucks. We got these little sticky uh, touch lights that we can put on the corners of our desks. And we have a new rule where if somebody's desk light is on, then you cannot talk to that person. We call them brain globes. <laughs> they're brain globes because they're, they're <laughs> these little glowing orbs that protect your brain, right? Um, and so we're always kind of keeping an eye on how our work process deteriorates in various yeah. scenarios and then trying to change those scenarios. I like it. That's full of wisdom. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is kind of interesting because I, I, I've noticed that the people that you know, kind of like you're talking about, we almost like put them on a pedestal. These people that are just excellent at time management. And it is like something, you know, it's like, I always look at my older brother, for example, he, uh, he was always just slacking off or whatever until he had kids. And all of a sudden, man, he had time to do all of his hobbies, to get all the work done, do all this stuff. Because he had to be organized all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. 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 And yeah, you hear that story a lot from, you know, a lot of people. It's like, I was never successful until I had a kid. And then everything just like fell into place because I had to be organized or I had to manage my time better. Right. Well, I think, I think a big part of it is the time management, but I think the secondary part that people don't talk about too much is that it's really your focus management because you can... You can do a lot to sort of, you know, carve those hours out for yourself. But then most of the time, and this is something all of us struggle with too, um, you know, when you sit down to go do the work, if you haven't set it up, set yourself up for success, it's very easy to end up, you know, texting people for a while or like, oh, well, I got to go fidget with my calendar, like I'll pay some bills right now, whatever. Yeah, or, so oh, you, I've got, I've got two monitors. I might as well pull up, uh, you know, parks and rec on the second one while I do my <laughs> yeah. programming on the first one. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think the time management is sort of the first piece, which is the most obvious one, the, the structural piece of the whole thing. And then the secondary one is deep work is, yeah, is that idea of like really yeah. focusing when you're actually 
supposed to be focusing. Do you think it helps that you guys, I, I'm assuming you enjoy your jobs. Uh, do you think it helps that you enjoy your job? Because well, when I'm at my job, I'm like, mm, uh, <laughs> <this is> boring. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it, I think I'm sure it helps that I wouldn't, I don't know that I enjoy it. I think we've talked about this a little bit before. But <laughs> you yeah, you don't enjoy your job? <laughs> well, enjoy is not quite the right word. It's hard. You're fulfilled, it, I suppose. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 uh, what's the word? I'm challenged enough by it that it's mm-hmm. interesting and amusing, right? But, uh, it's hard. Like, and it's hard every day to get up and be like, okay, now I have to go summon from the ether, in my case, a bunch of creatures that people find enjoyable to look at, you know? Yeah. Um, and you got to place every line and pick every color. Got to put every damn pixel down. Like, it gets annoying, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, to be fair, you're using vectors, so you don't. That's right. I'll put pixels down. down. Put vectors down. But, but yeah, yeah, so I actually, just this past weekend, uh, I visited an old uh, friend of mine from high school when we were on the swim team together. And he asked me if I had been swimming lately. And I said, you know, I I haven't really swam pretty much at all in about five years. And even though I I swam in high school, I went to the state meet and I I basically put my whole life into swimming at that time. But I don't swim anymore. And it's because actually, I think I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, And it's... It's what you often hear people talk about, like, oh, I'd love to be a novelist. You know, I'd love to write a book. And really what they're imagining is not the 900 hours hunched over a laptop with neck pain, editing and editing and drafting and revising. They're imagining having written the book. And then calling 30 publishers and getting declined by all of them and then sadly submitting (laughs) it yourself to Amazon to self-publish. Like, Mm -hmm. that's – yeah. That's not what people imagine. What they imagine but that's, is th- that's what it means to be a writer. And the same way that being a, a game developer or a small business owner mostly means like coming in, like dealing with new administrative bullshit you've never even heard yeah, of. Yeah, like before. we spent this morning <laughs> filling out dental insurance forms. Like that's <laughs> you know, the game dev. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I mean, uh, th- there's the game dev dental insurance simulator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. oh god. And so. So what people really imagine when they think about like being a novelist is that that like being at a book signing and having people come up to you and being like, I read your book and it's so amazing. Like, when's the sequel coming? You know, um, and those are the parts that make it totally worth it. Right. Yeah. Like those are the parts about it that you love is is having like releasing the game. And then even though having the torrential downpour of six weeks of bug reports and whatever, it's also kind of awesome. You know, like yeah. that people are Twitch streaming the game. and But it's awesome uh, in a horrible sort of way. Like most, right. things, like <laughs> yeah. most things that you can get really <laughs> deeply into. So, you know, with with the making of the art or in the case of programming, I mean, I'm sure you guys have spent time just kind of, you just kind of stare at your computer and you're like, mm-hmm. Ugh, I got to do this. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, we, we enjoy the work, but we enjoy the work actually interestingly, I think because it's hard. Uh, it's interesting and therefore it's sort of fun brain food. But that also means that there are legitimately times where you have to just kind of, you either have to be like, oh, I'm going to turn on my brain light. I'm going to set like what I do usually if I have to just burn through something that I just don't want to do. The other day I had to scale a bunch of enemies, rescale a bunch of enemies to get their line thickness all the same. You which, do that 19 times and it's like 30 minutes <laughs> per thing. Yeah. And so mm. it was like, okay, I'm just going to sit here for eight hours. And do this mind-numbingly stupid task. (laughs) But if I do it wrong, then I know that someone will look at the game and be like, this looks like flash art. And I'm going to want to punch that person in the face. (laughs) And so I have to be crisp with my lines. So 
in order to do that, you know, I did the fun part first, which is I said, okay, how can I make this more interesting? And so I made a little macro for it. So I did like basically a light, a light bit of programming and interesting work and then sat down for what ended up being about six hours because of the macro and then finished the work. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I mean, I like the work, but it's not like a hoot. It's well, not a hoot the whole time. No, you know I, mean? I think there's that, there's that meta level to it, which is, which is generally just more interesting, which is trying to figure out how to work better, uh, yeah. which is why we do so much process stuff. We're building tools all the time uh, because actually the, the actual sitting down and doing of the work is just sometimes it's just a blast and it's super fun and interesting. But That's most of the time, either you're doing stuff that is beneath you because you're like debugging some shit. And you're like, you know exactly what you need to do. You just have to go do it. Uh, or you're doing stuff that's out of your reach because you've never done it before. Those, those are kind of like where your prime, that's like where most of your time is going into mm-hmm. is those two things. So things that are too hard or too easy. And <laughs> both of those yeah. are very discouraging in different ways. Uh, right. and, and so you have to come up with systems to try to get yourself so that, cause so for me, I, I'm always focusing on learning sort of my outside of, of, uh, my day-to-day work so that I can do more interesting stuff and have it be less painful. So that, cause I want to stay in that. Cause that, that thing where it's just kind of hard is the best place to be. Oh, it's the, it's the flow channel. It's, it's, so the, fun, yeah. it's the game design, you know, the holy grail of game design, right. which is being at an equal measure of your, your capability and challenge. Yeah. But get that in your job. Somehow. Yeah. And so you have to, you have to try to, so we, and we also design our games and our tech, uh, specifically around that. We design it around our capabilities, um, with the idea that we're always trying to stretch what we're doing to keep stuff interesting. Otherwise it just, it can't stay that way. Mm-hmm. And as for the boring stuff, we try to make tools to take that off of our plates. Um, so if we focus on that, on that meta work and just try to shift the kind of work you're doing into the, the best space as much as possible, there's still, it is still the case that yeah, well, fully more than half no, my yeah. work is, is not that stuff. Um, and it's still the, the less fun stuff. Um, but you get to always be thinking about all the cool, fun stuff you could do. Right. Yes. So it, do we enjoy our jobs? <laughs> I mean, some of the time. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to, to come to work. I'm always excited about the, the stuff that I'm working on. Uh, I think I'm rarely excited about like the minute, minute by yeah. minute, uh, mm-hmm. you know, experience right. of what I'm yeah. doing. Yes. See, and it kind of makes sense because, yeah, I've, I imagine game dev is much the same way as like the novel example you're coming up with, right? Like, you know, people have this romanticized idea of just coming to work. How, you know, you're working for yourself. You got your office. You're doing this and that. But, you know, you release your game and you're like, isn't this great? And everybody's like, when's the next one coming out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. I mean, they're George R. R. Martining it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every every YouTube video we've put out for the last two years, the comments are always Crashlands 2. Where's Crashlands 2? It is oh like, my God. <laughs> Shut up, you guys. We've got stuff to do. We're working do on think, it. Do you think it's easier? It makes it a little easier, you know, working with, you know, you guys, with your brothers. Is that make it a little bit more enjoyable or, or a little tougher sometimes? I think mainly it makes it more enjoyable yeah. because you don't, since we grew up together and as I tend to put it, like we got our punches out early, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we all, we approach things from slightly different angles, but always sort of with the same value system. And so I think it makes it, makes it easier to have uh, some of those tough conversations. So, I mean, there are times in the office when I feel like I'm probably the one who has meltdowns more than anybody else, but uh, where (laughs) I'll be like, Hey, you know, I just don't feel like I'm having a hard time with this work today. I can't figure it out. I don't know what's happening. And then, you know, Adam and Seth have full context of my entire life. And so (laughs) they could be like, 
Remember back when you were 15? Yeah. And you used to do this one thing. Yeah. This is like that. It's just like the time. What you should do is take a nap because that's what worked back then. Probably work right now. You know? And so, yeah, you I think it does. Get your bottle, easy. you know? Yeah. Get yourself some warm milk. Just yep. just take a sip and relax. And now you're an adult to so put some whiskey well, in there. Yep. Yeah, perfect. Yep. The other yeah. thing is you, you guys probably don't have very many HR problems, I think, right? Yeah. That is true. That is true. Yeah. We approach I mean, other than just having to fill out forms and do, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. but. Which is super nice because that, that takes away from the work a tremendous amount if you have to deal with that. Indeed. Yeah. So speaking of childhood. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to ask you about some of those those fights that you were talking about. Mm. But also, I did want wonder what your childhood haircuts were. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah, I, I said I'd ask what, it. What part of childhood are you? Just any any time. Or how about this? Favorite childhood haircut style. Oh, favorite. As in Mm. favorite at the time or favorite in retrospect? I think favorite retrospect is the only way to go. Yeah, I don't don't know. I I guess. Because I know. Either or both. Yeah, I know. Adam had frosted tips. Frosted tips. Parted in the middle. Parted in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. Not at the same time, though. No. Those were two separate phases. Well, no, they they were overlapping phases. It was parted one side at one point and parted the other side at the other point. Uh, (laughs) At various points, I had them parted at different sides. His part was just slowly migrating across his head. Yeah, across his head. Yeah. 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 Oh, is it winter already? The part is already back in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got to carry a comb to keep that part under control. Uh Yeah. Yeah. I had a bowl cut at one point. Sort of. So did I. It it wasn't a legitimate one. Like, I didn't go to the barber and, like, have them shave the sides. It was more I just kind of, like, let it grow out on the top, and it sort of morphed into a sort of a blurry bowl cut, you know? (laughs) Sort of a a hair helmet. A hair helmet. Yeah. 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 Was that a Ringo Starr? Yeah. See, I my cousin, Mm. I was, like, four years old, and my cousin had a bowl cut, and he was, like, my hero at the time. And so I got a bowl cut. And then I didn't change until like freshman year of high school. Wow, you were, <laughs> and, you're committed. You yeah. really rode that train. Yeah. I was a kid of habit. And actually, I went into the barber by myself for like the first time I'd ever done this. And he asked me what I wanted. And I said a bowl cut. And he was just like, no. <laughs> and, and then I was just like sitting there, didn't know what to say. And he decided to do like a, a normal boy, like fade haircut. Mm-hmm. And he did it and it looked way better. But I like freaked out over it because, you know, it wasn't the norm. I like but, how there's this kind of like layer of ethics in barber shops where they're just like, yeah. I can't do that to a person. Yep. Yeah. You know, I swore my Hippocratic he knew be oath. better for me. <laughs> I yeah. Do no fashion harm mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The barber code. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I had a particularly egregious haircut, but I I had a hairdresser, I remember I went in there one time because I have like cowlicks on the back of my head. Okay. So I got like there's a lot of couple swirls of things happening back there in terms of hair creation. And so this I went to a new hairstylist because she was supposed to be really good in town, back in our hometown, and she was working on it. And then I remember at some point she just stepped back and I like got some buzzers. And then she was just like, I don't know what's going on back here, but I can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like, so she shaved like sort of up onto my head <laughs> a little bit in the back, which of course looked hideous. Yeah. No matter how she positioned it, it just kept kind of flipping back and making yeah. like, a ro- like a rooster tail. Yeah. So I, just, I always have some weird rooster tail thing, which some people, like if you look at me from a particular angle, it almost looks like I have the man bun, like a ponytail thing going on, but it's just, <laughs> there's just some hair back there that's just like, swir- it's just swirly. Yeah. It's they, just dude's yeah. thing. 
Yeah. yeah. You, you know, the the final solution that I had for this whole thing was to just shave it off. Cut just it off. get rid of the whole thing. Mm, yep. Yeah. Well, Seth so, also yeah. had was dual wielding front cowlicks. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of either <laughs> side of the front. I was, um, which then creates, you know, if you ever grow, if you have, if you have uh, front cowlicks going in opposite directions, then if you ever try to grow bangs, then what you get is <laughs> sort of like a weird bangs uh, spider, sp- spider right? just kind of like hanging down in the middle of your yeah. face, yeah. and then like a weird side part thing going on. Yeah, so. I've got, I've mostly got normal hair. It's, it's thin hair, which is also why I just cut it off. But mm-hmm. I have basically, so I, I love the cowlick sort of mental image, right? So if you imagine a cow. Sticking its tongue out against the side of my face, right? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> licking around my chin and up the other side. Um, this is right? a clear image. So see what's happening, it. right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how my that's how my facial hair grows. Sideways. It grows it grows in the correct direction on one side, but then it continues growing in that same direction. <laughs> it's like a river all the way back up. It's like a river of yeah. beards. So, so so on the right side of my face, my hair is basically growing upstream. Interesting. So we all wow. had there's a lot of cow I mean, we grew up in the country. Who knows? Cows yeah, everywhere. Licking, the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. I assume there's some yeah. sort of like baptism by cow thing that happens when we when your baby is <laughs> on Iowa. the farm. Must yeah. Have. yeah. <laughs> so if you were place. to like grow your beard out, would you have one side that's like super long going the normal <laughs> down <laughs> direction like a and one that's beard. like kind of up sideways? It just kind of look yeah. windswept yeah, at all just times. Like windswept. <laughs> all the time it looks like winds blowing in your face. I'm trying to grow it back out again, so I'm going to try to experiment with it and see if I can tame this this wild cowlick beard beast i mean <laughs> having your hair blowing in the wind is a big fashion thing i always see yeah, it in magazines yeah. i feel like true. if it's, you just had a lot that of passively, people like that's they it. would pay to have that that wind blown in they their would. face but you just yeah. have it permanently it's mm-hmm. just always there. permanent wind face yeah. <laughs> he's got some hair superpowers <laughs> <laughs> all right what about the uh the fight question you guys remember oh, a yeah. particular time where you were squabbling back in the day mm. yes what you got seth <laughs> So we had we didn't have uh, knockout brawls. We had more of sort of explosions of violent activity for a, a very brief moment. Like we said, we're focused people. You know, you just get the job done. Just get on. that job done. Yeah. And so uh, there was a, a window of time where where Adam became enormous. Uh, yes. And he just became this. He just <laughs> it, became this monster of a child. I had an early growth spurt. I yeah. think he was probably 160 pounds in seventh grade or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like 70 pounds <laughs> at the same time, even though I was a year younger. So all of a sudden, and also this is you know as a teenage boy, you've got your testosterone. Mm-hmm. You've got. You're trying to get, you know, attention of girls. You're a sociopath because you, your brain is malformed. <laughs> you don't know anything, but you think you're amazing, right? Yeah. And there's, there's all these. It's, it's a perfect storm of, of conditions. And also, occasionally, you become way bigger than everybody around you and way stronger. So it's like a perfect storm of conditions that make you just into kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there was a, a two year period where Adam absolutely loathed. Sam and me. <laughs> it's because we were these hangers on, you know? Yeah, we always Two wanted to. brothers. We, yeah, we always wanted to participate, but we had these squeaky voices. <laughs> and, and these we were tiny, tiny bodies. We were tiny and we couldn't <laughs> do anything. And, and uh, I was like, get these tiny people away from yeah. us. Had enough. What's so, the age difference? Uh, Adam's only one year older than me. And, but, oh. and then Sam's three years younger than that. Yeah. And yeah. so, oh. and, uh, and I, I personally never had that growth spurt. So I just kind of consistently <laughs> slowly grew, slowly overtook Adam over 
15 years. Yeah. Sam <laughs> you're had his growth you're not spurt. still waiting for it? No. no. <laughs> Sam had his when he was like right about to leave for college, if I recall. 17. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, it was, it was like, cause I was already, you know, gone for college. And so like, I saw Sam at one time and he was still kind of like baby face and looked like a kid, you know? And then, I, and then like literally the next time I saw him, he was a man all of a sudden, like he had, <laughs> he had he a full weird. beard. It was strange for me too. <laughs> it was very weird. Just woke up in this body and I was like, Oh, it was like that Tom Hanks movie, you know, when he like yeah. wishes yeah. the, yeah. Very yep. strange. Uh, yeah. So we, we had kind of around that time was, I think the most tumultuous mm-hmm. where we were all at very different phases of our lives and very different sizes. Um, yeah. And so we and all sociopaths. We're all sociopaths <laughs> at that time. I think, I think we probably have developed empathy at this point. A at bit. least on some of them. Um, yeah. yeah. So we would have, we had scenarios uh, where we were only allowed 30 minutes of screen time a day. So if we, if we, oh, if wow. one of us wanted to play Starcraft or something, you know, you mm-hmm. got, you got to set the 30 minute egg timer and it's enough for one match. Yeah. Yep. One match. Yeah. And that means no, <laughs> TV that day or anything else, you know, you've, you've made your decision. And so we were very protective of that screen time. And I remember (laughs) I was, I was in like, I was like 20 to 25 minutes into my screen time and I had a precious five minutes remaining and Adam came down and wanted to use the computer, which he totally could have just like hurled me out of the chair, (laughs) like a rag doll. Um, But he politely, instead began flicking me in the back of the head <laughs> and he was like, Hey, come on. Like it's my turn. I want to that buddy. And I was like, I got five minutes. It says on the timer, it says on the timer. And so, and he's like, he's like, Oh, well, I guess we'll have to just wait then, you know? And he just like periodically flicked me. <laughs> and at about the 28 minutes, Mark, I, yeah. I turned around and just socked him in the face I don't know if you remember this. I remember literally no no aspect of India. I socked him in the face, which I I I have never punched a man (laughs) before or after that. That was the one. That was the one time, Uh, and he kind of uh, took a step back and blinked a few times, and then left. (laughs) And I got my I got my two minutes of Starcraft. I couldn't even finish the match because you know sometimes they go long, right? So you are one punch man. Yeah. You, so you punch I one punch man. <laughs> uh, so we, you know, we had those and Sam of course got the worst of it. Cause he's the youngest. So yeah, like oh, yeah. I would, I, Adam would kind of like beat up on me a little bit periodically. Mm-hmm. I would beat up on Sam periodically. But Sam I, would, I developed this, uh, this skill, which was, I would cry before anything even happened at the slightest, <laughs> at the slightest detection that I had become the focus of attention, which was always bad. You know, <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> then I would just be like, oh, it's time. It's things are happening. And so I would just start crying. The problem was, so this worked for maybe a few weeks. And then Adam and Seth, of course, got smart. And they were like, well, we're going to get in trouble anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, so if, if we're going to, yeah, because as soon as, as soon as a crying would happen, the parents would show up and they'd be like, what have you done? Uh-huh. You know, and then Adam <laughs> and I would, would have to go to our rooms or something. Uh, so they would just, as soon as I started crying, then in that case, they'd be like, well, I mean, Punishment will be doled out, so we may as well get our get our goods in. <laughs> so you know, you get punched a bunch. So it was a there was a lot of negotiation, you know. Yeah. But I would say, you know, th- this was all actually a very small fraction of the time. Yeah, for the most part, everything was pretty chill. But you know, there were occasional spikes of of activity. <laughs> it's funny. I was just spending time with my older brother this last weekend and we were talking about some memories that we had and he was trying to tell this story about how one time apparently at the dinner table, you know, I was being annoying or something like that. So he pushed me down 
And then I tried to go to my mom, and she was like, well, you were being a little shit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, what the heck, man? Like, mom's messed up. And then as time went on, we realized, like, my older brother's eight years older than me, which, like, and he was trying to say I was, like, five years old, which makes him, like, a teenager bullying a little right. child. <laughs> <laughs> and then the mom is like, yeah, just uh, knock his ass down. You know? Sometimes. <laughs> Toughen up. Yeah, yeah the little shit kid. <laughs> I think it is a, a well-timed and, you know, thoughtfully placed punch to the face. <laughs> Can be extremely good for kind of keeping your jerkiness yeah. in check. You know, it's kind of like Fight Club. Yeah, you know, every once in a while, you just need to get that out. Yeah, get it. Yeah. So uh, I think it's important to realize that children are the worst people, mm-hmm. just in general. So they they destroy each other constantly. They bully each other. We all just yeah. need to kind of like forget that it happened and move on. Move on. Be adults. Yeah. Know? Well, they think like anything that's quote unquote bad is cool. You know, that's true. Because <laughs> we're sociopaths. Like was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It comes from. Yes. I was telling my wife, like we were talking about it the other day, just about like, you know, how certain words nowadays have different connotations than they did, and and some words are not okay really to say mm-hmm. anymore. But when you're young, you're like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I heard like, about this bad word. I'm going to use it every other word. Yeah. yeah. Half my vocabulary <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, Yes. I don't think they're necessarily bad. They're just impressionable. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is there what did difference? you guys find that uh, that having a limit on your guy, on your screen time was like was beneficial to you in the long run, or do you like resent it now? I, was, I think it, it was, was fantastic. It was a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> we hated it at the time. <laughs> well, but. so I think the the place we've all gotten to with most of this stuff is that uh, you. So we even think about this with our game designs too. So one of the one of the pr- common problems we have is that uh, is the one of when you get player feedback. Um, players actually only want one thing, and that is to win more, right? <laughs> the problem is that winning more is usually the fastest way to stop having fun in a game. So if you think about, uh, I remember <laughs> I played Grand Theft Auto, and you get that cheat code which allows you to like summon tanks out of the ether, yeah. <laughs> and and then just hop in and go blow. And it's very fun for about five minutes. And then after that, you're now you're just OP. Yeah, now you're just OP, and you kind of ruined the game for yourself. And so, when it comes to this, uh, this like this screen time thing, I think it's another one of those examples of someone enforcing you to do something that is definitely better for you in the long run, but that you just the whole time you're just be kicking and screaming about it. You know, I think even <laughs> if someone did it to me now, where they're like, "Hey, you can only you can only play video games for like thirty minutes a week," I'd be like, "No." But <laughs> I'm sure it'd make me better at everything because I'd be doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. As long as I wasn't on bed yeah. or something else. So. Yeah. What, what what we did instead is we read a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we, we would well, make trips to the library and come home with 15 books and eat them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Seems like that paid off too, you know? I think so. Yeah, I, also, I appreciate your guys' reading list. I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, is it still looked, up? Looked through it a couple it's times. It's technically not visible. Oh. It did get I think killed. It's hidden now. Not, it's not only visible to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> not because we're trying to hide it, but it just didn't. Yeah. It didn't make the migration it over. Did, to, yeah, it didn't make like, the cut gotcha. when I replaced the website. Uh-huh. And by by make the cut, I mean I didn't know what to do about it, and I needed the website <laughs> to be up now, and so yeah. uh, just kind of just kind of sat there. It'll um, likely return at some. Point. We need to. Yeah, we need to put something back up. Definitely. Yeah, it was a good list. Yeah. I've definitely listened or listened. I've I've read some of those books as well. Some of them are audio books. Yeah, you could, mm-hmm. nah, that's you true. could listen. That's true. <laughs> Probably most of them, really. Yeah. 
Shoot, don't look at me, man. You got the question right there in your hand. All right, so going back into time again. <laughs> oh. Um, did you guys, what did you guys want to be when you grew up? Like, oh, this know? is a good question. My answer from kindergarten was a fire truck. So yeah. I strayed from the <laughs> oh, path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely took a, you took a bad turn somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping to be a buffalo early on. <laughs> um, just didn't work well, out, you know? We were just talking about the movie Tusk. So I think it, oh, it no. is possible if you really want to be. <laughs> Heard about the movie? I hate everything about it. I just can't even. <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of this. So, yeah, don't I mean, put the concept into your mind. That's okay, part cool. of my my quest. My quest for gains is me secretly trying to transform into a buffalo. <laughs> but I always They're cap out. Ripped. Yeah, I always cap out at about 197 pounds, which I think I'm off by like 3,000 pounds yeah. still. <laughs> You're like maybe a calf. Like a, well, have you tried upping your caloric intake a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, that might help. Yeah, I did that, but yeah, it's still just. Have you tried grazing? I yeah, need eating to lots of country. grass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. Probably you could probably <laughs> maybe you would need a second stomach, and you need a, yeah. a water pouch on your back. Okay, <laughs> or is that only water buffalo that have that? Or do water buffalo even have that? I think mm. you're thinking of camels. I'm thinking of camels. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's That's confusing because it's a water thing. buffalo. It's the yeah. buffalo of the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I, I mean. I think I wanted to do that, and then otherwise, I wanted to be a filmmaker. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, I made hey, a lot of too. movies in high school and stuff, and um, you applied to uh, to USC's I, film school. Yeah, I went to University really? of Southern California. I applied to their film school, got hardcore rejected, mm-hmm. uh, just without explanation. Classic. Yeah, um, and then I just kind of hung out there, lost for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, when I. When I was a kid, I also wanted to be a director. So I actually majored in film studies. So oh, cool. It nice. really amounted to a lot after, you know, getting <laughs> in the job market. But yeah, uh, yep. yeah, I used to make all kinds of war movies when I was a kid. Neat. Me and my friends get decked out in camo and we had like BB guns and stuff, which now like thinking about that, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you, lose an eye. you ever well, go back and one... watch those? Uh, it's been a while, but we did some pretty interesting stuff like you know, because we didn't know how to edit anything. So everything was like, you get one cut and oh, then yeah. you have to like yep. time it perfectly. And so we would do like our own special effects. Like when someone shoots a gun, we would like had this contraption type thing where you have a hammer and like different pieces of wood to make different sound. And then you hit the hammer oh, cool. to make the gunshot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and as we got older, we got into fireworks, you know, so it got oh, a yeah, little better as time went yeah, on. We just but... used real guns. So I guess that was, no, <laughs> well, we didn't, we didn't make war movies out of it though. No, but we still oh, use real actually, guns. Actually, no, we did do that. Yeah. They weren't loaded. We did actually have uh one time where we got in trouble with the police. Yeah. Uh, it was Kind of a scare because it was right after 9-11. They uh, shut down the whole town, dude. Y- yeah. so uh, <laughs> Kind of a we're scare. From, we're from a small town in Oregon um, with like 3,500 people in it. Mm-hmm. And at, in our town, like outside of town, there's this big hill and an abbey li- is up there with, it's like a monastery where like people from all over the world come to train cool. to be monks. And it's like surrounded by forests and all this kind of stuff. And me and my friend John, we used to go up there all the time and we'd make these war movies and we'd be decked <laughs> out in camo, having these guns, like have our duffel uh-huh. bags, face paint. And one of them had a grenade. We had Wait, a, did you, a belt. A question. Did you tell people that you were going up into the hills? I mean, like our parents. <laughs> but... <laughs> so you just show uh, up on Abbey property where these people are being, being Pretty monks. much. And you're just yeah. like decked out in military gear. Okay. I just want to set the yeah. scene. <laughs> I mean, we were like prepubescent kids, you know, like right. 
But either way, so yeah, this one time we went up there, we were making a movie, and one my friend had this belt on, on that had all this gear, like, you know, shovel, and one, one of the things was a hollowed out grenade, like an actual <laughs> grenade that they hollowed and took the gunpowder out. <laughs> and so we're up there having a good time, and it's getting dark, and we just pack up and go home, and turns out we forgot that belt. <laughs> oh my and God. So, some runner was like running by and I guess he he sees this belt and he kind of weirded out, you know, and he's like actually handling it, like picking it up and looking at it. And he was kind of freaked out. So he called the cops and ended up like county bomb squad and like different <laughs> fire departments come. And he said they're like looking at it from afar with binoculars, like freaking out. And they actually sent like a robot in and blew up the belt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? amazing uh, did you get video of it because this would be the best movie situation i feel like you get a real explosion you know <laughs> yeah right? really Some real production value in there yeah but anyways my mom like a couple days later saw in the our local newspaper that like the bomb squad was at the abbey and they blew up this <laughs> they, or they had some kind of explosion and she was like i wonder if that was my son so we went down to the the police department and told them and they handed us this paper bag with the blown up bits of the belt <laughs> in like, it. Here's your blown up yeah. bits. And the cop was like, like this was like 2002, like right after 9-11 and, and he's like if, you, if you're if you out in camouflage again and you don't call the police department we have the right to shoot you. <laughs> like, it was like Whoa. really scary and uh, yeah we didn't make a movie after that. So. That's definitely Just one way to shut down. the future Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll shut Anyways. your filmmaker dreams right up. Yeah, we we had a we have a very similar origin stories it seems. Yeah, because we're yeah. also from a small town, you know, ten thousand people. Um, and yeah, at one point we were making a movie and we had a chase scene where there was like a sniper chasing, <laughs> chasing somebody, and and we had uh, real guns, didn't we? We, oh, had, yeah. we had real guns. That real. Were not no, we had no <laughs> ammunition anywhere near them ever. Um, uh, and well, not ever, <laughs> just not during filming. Not during filming. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so. Yeah, there was a there was a point where we had a, a scene in a junkyard and and we were filming in there and then we we left and like somebody had seen some like people creeping around this junkyard with guns and and then uh, we got pulled over by six police cruisers um, <laughs> and they were like searching stuff and and we're like yeah no like this is for school like we're making a movie and mm-hmm. they they seemed weirdly disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They thought they were going to get some action. I was hoping to shoot me a terrorist. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Well, the thing is, like, if you put it into perspective, though, like, with all the crazy stuff that's going into the news, like, that's white privilege right there. I could, if, you know, if I was in some other neighborhood, I would have been gunned down. Yeah, we had no idea at the time. And we had no concept of this at the time. uh, But, yes, that's exactly what what (laughs) that was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've cool. had that happen. I've seen it happen uh, to my neighbors even. They were just like out in this like little vacant field near their house, like playing with their airsoft guns, having a little airsoft wars, and a freaking SWAT team came and shut them down. They had a Ooh. helicopter. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why, like, whenever you're doing anything that seems like it might be remotely dangerous, just because we used to do this all the time, actually, we would call the fire department. Yeah, we would tell them we we're going to light stuff on we'd fire. Be like, hey, we're going to blow a lot of shit up this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if someone calls you to come out to our house, don't, unless it's us. 
Because if it's yeah. us, then you definitely need to come out. Because <laughs> there's yeah, a real problem. Otherwise, they're just like, wait. somebody's like, help, they're holding me hostage. And they're like, well, we can't go out there because they called first and said that exactly. well, said. it wasn't us. <laughs> exactly. It's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. Okay. So we had we had fire truck. We had buffalo slash filmmaker <laughs> guy. Hey, Adam, did you? When I was really little, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh. oh yeah. So that's my job. <laughs> How does a little like kid land George on that? Costanza? Uh, I, I was really into sharks. Yeah, you sharks guys went to cool. cool. You guys went to a marine biology camp. Oh yeah, and then you got wow. in charge of the shark tank. Yeah, you? well, because because basically at the on the first day you had to go around. So it was a, it was a they had a whole bunch of fish in, in saltwater aquariums, and you had to choose which one you were going to take care of for the week. Mm. And so everyone was choosing things <laughs> where there's they had this giant tank. I mean, giant relative to a child, right? It was like uh, four childs deep. It was it was, it was, <laughs> a big, it was a big tank. And inside were just a few small sharks. I'm, when I say small, I mean like eight to fourteen inch long little little mm-hmm. shark guys, right? And so I saw that tank, and and I was like, "Can I can I have the shark tank?" And they were like, "Yeah." Uh, well, because they, they had everybody like, else assumed that you couldn't have the giant shark tank. Yeah, because they were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, everybody pick your tanks," and they gesture out across the banks of other fish yeah. tanks all over the place. All kinds of harmless stuff. Like behind them and, is this giant shark tank. Yeah, yeah. Nobody thought outside the box. <laughs> that was Adam. So I got to feed sharks for a week, which is pretty rad. That uh, is cool. And I was just, I was really into sharks and just really into all the weird shit that's in the ocean. Um, it's so a creepy was, place. Yeah. So that was my jam for a while. And then, and then I kind of went more generically into just saying, I want to be a scientist. And then I kind of just followed paths from there. And I now here I am. I was traditionally just kind of swept around by the, by the tides. Because I wanted By your own tides. Yeah. After, after Adam wanted to be a marine biologist, I think I wanted to be one for a while. Uh, Seth wanted to be a filmmaker and then I wanted to be one for a while and then, <laughs> you know, wanted to be one of our parents' professions for a while. And then I was like, maybe I'll be a writer for a while. And then maybe <laughs> I was going to write poetry for a while. So I was just yeah. kind of, I was kind of floating. The fire truck just never got to. It just yeah. couldn't, yeah, it couldn't materialize. It. Yeah, I was yeah. Well, I think technology's getting there, you know, someday. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> Practice your si- siren noise. <laughs> nah, they'll install the hardware for that. Yeah, it'll be connected to an app on your phone, Bluetooth siren embedded, like in your lower back or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You can live. You can live your be your true self. Live my dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything you want to be. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Uh, what else? I don't know. Uh, so we're getting kind of to the top of the hour here. We've got a little bit of time left. Is there anything that like you guys? Like, you just feel like our listeners absolutely need to know. As as game devs, generally, as people trying to do game dev stuff? Sure. Or just, like, people trying to live their best life, you know, whatever. Mm. Any, I mean, you know, if you have, like, some parting wisdom or something, or I, in, literally anything. <laughs> something that maybe mm. you learned this week that you want to pass along so people don't share in your mistakes... Uh, or I don't know, just like a cool <laughs> which quote you heard, <laughs> book you're reading, a movie that moved you. All right, what you guys got? Um, let's the most open ended question of all time. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. No, I set you guys wisdom. up with this one. Yeah, I, I think um, coming back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, uh, we do get that that question a lot, or that that kind of idea a lot of people thinking that that there's some kind of secret sauce that they are missing. And like, if they could just kind of figure that thing out, uh, 
like like the thing that separates us like a successful game developer from a hobbyist or or whatever um and i really do think that you know everybody kind of has everybody has the capability to do these big things but they're oftentimes focusing in the wrong places you know and so if that is something that you're struggling with as a hobbyist um you know you're trying to make your dreams come true uh you got to you got to really dig deep and kind of think about like really think about the the things that are getting in your way and and fix those things um whether it's like a structural thing so well i think it's always a structural thing and, yeah. and i think there's a there's a tendency for anybody trying to sort of uh on the side do the thing they truly want um to not do the one thing that is required to make that happen which is literally change how you view living your life you you can't just say, well, I want to be a writer now or I want to be a game dev now. So I'm going to find a couple hours and just kind of plunk away at it, right? Uh, you have to say, if this is truly what you want to do, then you have to restructure your life to to feed that. And, and again, it's mostly a structural thing like we've been talking about. It's not finding the motivation inside yourself mm-hmm. or finding the inspiration to come up with the cool best ideas or whatever. It's designing your life around this goal that you supposedly have so that you don't have to have the motivation or the inspiration or that kind of stuff um, because you have designed your life around causing you to just be on that track now. Yeah. And there's, and there's really nothing that separates uh, us from anybody else uh, other than perhaps that we focus on that aspect of things. So And have been for years. Now. Yeah. So for example, Sam recognizes that he has a hard time doing art practice. So he has an art coach and has signed up for classes um, to do this stuff. And uh, I wanted to learn piano. So I have a piano teacher, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this by myself, plunking away on the, on the keyboard uh, every day because I'm just so dang motivated. It's like, no, I, I put myself in a scenario where every week somebody else is going to be really disappointed in me if I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's the best way to get for all that disappointment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And so people put so much pressure on themselves and they're constantly feeling ashamed that they don't have just this like immeasurable reserve of willpower to just push through. Um, and really nobody has that, you know? Um, and so that's, that's, I, I think the, the core thing to focus on and also get off Twitter. Yep. Get, yeah, yeah. Get off Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Don't, that's you, an you interesting pr- point. I, you know, attention. I, uh, we always talk about like the merits of like auto deck to autodidactism, you know, teaching mm-hmm. yourself, all this sort of stuff. But I, it's interesting that you guys talk about having some teachers. Cause I think that's something that's actually often overlooked is it the power yeah. of having a tutor, the power of having a mentor even? Um, yes. yeah, yeah, I think a lot of game developers go the lone wolf route. You know, that's pretty much what I've done so far. And I'm kind of hitting that point where I feel like I'm close to failing. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I think it's, it's one of those things where it's, uh, it is impressive, but uh, it's also just, it's harder than it needs to be, generally speaking. Um, so even if it's the case, like you can still go it alone, but you know, uh, get yourself involved in various systems that force you to do higher quality things or that give you routes to feedback. So, you know, we're the whole studio got started because of game jams in our case. And so we do those regularly. And those are one of the best, like people come out of a game jam oftentimes so hyped up because they suddenly are witness what they could do in two days. If someone and an entire group of people basically forced them to do something uh, and then have an output come out of it. Right. And so, yeah. I do think it's the case that, and I mean, frankly, up until probably this year, I definitely was not on the train of like, 
of of finding other methods outside of yourself, external methods to help you be accountable. I, I think previously I was very much about the whole like you must be a god of willpower. You must sort of somehow be this statuesque creature that's able to just direct its gaze wherever it wants and go there. Um, but I think it's just too hard to do that. Well, yeah. especially the, the external force doesn't also, it doesn't have to be, you know, I want to go to piano, so I want to get a piano teacher. But it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that close of a relationship either. Uh, so I know in, in the, the case with the studio, uh, the, the primary reason that I'm, that I, so I spent my last Thanksgiving break, the entire break, for probably 12 to 14 hours a day, just taking Udemy courses on Amazon Web Services stuff. Mm-hmm. Because that was a thing that I knew I was deficient in. I knew we needed it for the studio to progress in the way that I was trying to progress it. And uh, that was basically a chance for me just to go dive in and like really do that. So I had an instructor in that sense and that, you know, it's a course, but it's not, there's not a real person there um, doing it. Um, yeah. The motivator there was if I didn't do that, the studio, which does exist, and my brothers who are depending on me to to progress my part of the bargain as, as aggressively as possible, uh, I'd basically be letting them down in that context. Mm-hmm. So there the motivator is that it's not about me at all. Like I'm not even part of the fucking equation, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just a thing you got to do. There's a thing that has to get done and I'm the, I'm the one who has committed to doing it. And so this yeah. is the thing I'm doing now. That's sort of what I've recognized with the art too. Like up until this year, I was very, I was always very obstinate about the fact that I was the one who made the art. So yeah. I didn't like the fact that I was the one who made the art, you know, because it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But then finally this year, I was like, I need to be better at this. This is ridiculous. I, I need to own five this. Years. Yeah, I just need to own it. And so I got, got an art teacher, been taking these classes. The thing I'm doing now is an online course, so again, asynchronous. So yep. know, just videos some guy put out. Um, oh, cool. But it's really fun. And I get to see, you know, every every week I go to a figure drawing course uh, or figure drawing, not a course, but a little event thing in St. Louis. And it's very comical to see it feels so slow in the moment because when you're practicing routinely, you're only again, focused on those horrible minute by minute excruciating, you know, details of doing the work. But then over the course of two or three weeks, you can really start seeing the growth in these sorts of things happen, which is nice. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a final piece of this whole thing, which is, you know, there's that phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Right. Because I always thought I never understood this. Like what, what does this mean? And the, the obvious interpretation is if you eat the cake, you don't have it anymore. It doesn't right. exist now. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so the same thing applies to uh, people who have these bigger goals of kind of transforming their life into some other life, right? So whether you want to be a professional game developer or novelist or whatever it is, uh, there's this point that people rarely talk about, which is not what you will be, but what you won't be. Yeah. You know, you, you need to think about what kinds of things would you be giving up? Um, and what would your days look like if you truly were doing that thing? And then how do you start giving up those things now? And how do you start transforming your life now so that you can be that thing that you want? Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's, um, you know, and you cancel your Netflix subscription, get out of your tennis league or whatever it is that you spend a lot of time doing, um, unplug your TV and put it in the basement. Yeah, yeah or just, whatever. Or just throw your TV out, give it away, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and then maybe start like even give up some cash, spend some money to to rent a desk at a co-working space or something mm-hmm. uh, and and just make make a schedule and then just start going and, and writing your novel or working on your game or whatever. Because uh, it's just not going to be the case that 
that you can keep doing the same thing that you were that you were doing before, and then also do, and then also thing. now just somehow become something completely different. Yeah, right. Um, so people rarely think about things in those terms, and I think it's you can't have everything. You know. Yeah. You got to give yeah. something up. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one thing that I struggle with is, um, like I I can put the time into game development. But since I work full time, it's just like, you know, two hours here, an hour there mm-hmm. and so on. I'm curious, how many hours do you guys think you've been doing game development? <laughs> oh, man. I've been doing it for about zero. So, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> well, so I, I did this back when I was in law school. Um, I because I was a full time law law student and then I was learning uh, game maker and making my own games on the side. And I. I actually shifted my perspective of instead of trying to figure out how to maximize my game dev time, I tried to figure out how to minimize my law school time. <laughs> uh, so trying to find ways to cut out other things. And yeah. so I came up with alternative uh, study methods so that I could get largely similar results, but by putting in about one eighth the amount of time that everybody else was putting into, into studying, I, hmm. um, I would sort of schedule my meals so that I could would only have to make one trip. I did a lot of food prep too. Yeah, a lot of food prep. So like I would make one trip to the grocery mm-hmm. store, get the same stuff every week, and then make food in bulk. And like there, that's thirty minutes a day of cooking that I don't have to do. Um, nice, <laughs> you know, and and all this kind of stuff, and update my workout routine. Where like instead of going to the gym uh, and then working out there and then coming home, which would be like an hour and a half, I would just quickly go on a mile run down the street and back, you know, which that's like eight minutes, right? Bang out some pushups, call it a day. Yeah. So it was kind of like a a holistic view of looking at everything that I was doing and thinking, how do I minimize all this stuff? Right. (laughs) Well, the idea is that, especially at that point, because, because you're basically behind on where you want to be. Right. So, so now like we're still like, we're still chasing. There's still, there's, there's an ever infinite treadmill in front of us that we're always going to be, you know, walking against on i don't know that metaphor got away from me mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a long path it's a, people are in front of us it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, exactly it's a never-ending path of you trying to to become better so that you can you can be more of an expert at your craft but there's some level of that craft where you're where you actually are truly performing right yeah. Yeah. and and when you're first getting into a thing whether again writing making games whatever uh, or in my case becoming a web developer um the first part of it you're behind and you know it and you feel it deeply in your guts it sucks mm-hmm. and it sucks and you are it and you're, you are minimum hundreds more likely thousands of hours away from 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 being able to actually practice this as a craft in a in a meaningful way because before that all you're doing is basically collecting the skill that you need to be able to now go practice that that skill um and uh and so i think when you're in that state I know that, and this is what I did too. Is is back in those days, I spent almost every hour I had available learning about web dev and, and like making little uh, test websites and things, trying to figure out how all this stuff worked, um, because I knew I was behind. And so for me, it was like it was mostly it was the same deal as Seth. It was cut out everything I could, and you know, talk to my wife about it so that she knew what I was up to. So we made sure mm-hmm. that it was all on the up and up um, from a relationship perspective, and then just threw everything I had into it because I knew if I did that for a short time, because you can't do that your whole life. Yeah, you can't sustain that. It's unsustainable. Yeah. That's a but good way to burn it, out. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, but but if you're doing it for you know maybe a few months at a stretch, and then you like, and then you go back to kind of normal kind of life for a little mm-hmm. while, figure out where your deficiencies are, and then go back into it again, and kind of do that kind of a pattern, which I still do today. Which I was talking about last Thanksgiving, right? Just every once in a while, throw yourself into something. Uh, but to me, it's mostly about that difference of catching up versus performing. Um, and I think 
the problem for for people coming into a new field is just always that you're in that catch-up phase and that catch-up phase is very long and it's very hard and you don't feel any reward from it mm-hmm. because right. the best case scenario is just like okay i've i've made a slightly less shitty but still very shitty game. right, right. <laughs> <laughs> which doesn't yeah. feel great uh and, and it just takes some time to because you got to take there. the long view where you're like Cool. Uh, this is a stepping stone toward an even less shitty game. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually. Yeah. At some point, it's so less shitty that it's pretty good. Part of the reason I ask is uh, we talk about the 10,000 hour rule a lot. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, like, what I've done is I've tracked my time doing game development for the last, like, year and a half. And in my free time in the last year and a half, I've hit close to a thousand hours of game development. Nice. Um, which is cool, but at the same time, I feel like I still feel kind of like I suck, and and so you kind of wonder, like you guys are professional game development or game developers. At what point, like I wonder how many hours you put into it before you thought I could I could turn this into a profession. Well, I think we had a nice mix of ignorance and arrogance on our side, so oh, we yeah. thought that way earlier than we should have, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why our first couple of games really just failed horrifically. But um, <laughs> I think there's an interesting note here, which is, I was just reading uh, Cal Newport's books. We talked about the work, the book Deep Work on our podcast, mm-hmm. I think, last week, um, yep. and I just started reading his other one called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and there's a really interesting point about this 10,000-hour rule thing, which is a bit of nuance that most people don't pick up with it, which is most people, as soon as they get proficient in a particular craft, so in other words, if once you're able to deliver sort of at an acceptable level, most people actually plateau at that level indefinitely. And you see this across basically every single learning discipline there is, whether it's like a chess grandmaster or surgeons, like surgeons right out of, uh, out of medical school have increasingly better skills for like maybe two or three years. And then once they're sort of once they've sort of arrived, most studies show that their skills actually slowly decline. I think it's once go. you feel confident. Yeah, once you feel yeah. confident, you can do it because you're not actually paying attention. You're not trying to get sharper day by day. And so when right. you look at this 10,000-hour rule thing, what they found is uh, I think the study they did in that in the So Good They Can't Ignore You book that he referenced was with chess grandmasters. So the question was they took this group of people who all have played or who all pre- played or practiced for at least 10,000 hours. and then But some of them are grandmasters at this point. And some of them are just really kind of pretty good chess players, but they've all actually put in the same amount of time. And so what's the difference? And so they found that people who are actually still at an intermediate level uh, after about the first thousand hours uh, stop putting in that dedicated practice time. And they're actually just sort of playing like I was talking about the performance aspect of it uh, versus the people who end up becoming grandmasters in it about half the total time. So about 5,000 hours ends up being more of that deliberate practice. And so you know, when you look at your own hours put in, it's honestly, it's yeah, the time matters way less than, than what you're doing, what you're doing. What you're doing with right. it. So, so, you know, you should be, you know, having, I think the way we think about it is you're in the performance zone or you're in the learning zone. And, you know, just this last week I was like, Oh, I need to make these clouds for level head and you make these clouds look a little bit better. And so instead of being like, I know how to make clouds, I'm going to bang these out. Um, I did what I would normally do first. And then I said, how do other people make clouds? How do other people even think about this in a 2d space? Uh, grab some pictures off Pinterest and then tried to just replicate it for about two hours or so. And in the process learned just a bunch of ways to think about clouds of all things. Right. <laughs> and I've drawn, these are things I've drawn before, but I've never approached it from that angle. So I, you know, try to, when you're doing something in, in game dev, whether it's a design thing or even your approach to a programming challenge, um, 
you know, try to bang it out the way you would do it. But then once you finish that, don't let that be the sort of final point. Make sure you step yeah. back and say, how could I do this better? Or, or even now that I understand the scope of the problem, how has someone else handled this and see if you can learn because it's, it's the game dev that, equivalent of watching game footage. Yeah. Right. Like right. so, From a football so game if you well. ever, if you ever played sports or something, oftentimes your coach would, would film, uh, you know, film the game or film the, the race or whatever. And then they'd pull that up in practice and, and you could watch what you did and they would point out, you know, like, here's mm-hmm. a moment where, you know, where you started a little bit too late or here's where you messed up your flip turn, you know, whatever it is. Right. And those are things that, that in the, and I actually started doing this with piano where I started recording myself. Cause I thought I was like, I'm starting to sound super good. <laughs> and so, so I recorded myself here a few months in. Yeah. I'll, I've been playing piano for mu- for months, literal th- three <laughs> months or four months. So uh, I'm about at sort of like a Beethoven sort of level. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> so I record myself and I, and I listen to it. I'm like, this sounds like a toddler. Like this, <laughs> this sounds like an incompetent weirdo just stumbled in and fell onto the piano yep. um, and made some noise. Right. So, so I can, so then, but then once I get over that initial shock, then I can start looking for actual patterns of problems and then trying to think of ways that I can, you know, fix those specific aspects of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you got to bounce back and forth between that performance mode and then the learning mode. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning, yeah. it's purely learning mode basically. Cause and that's the, that's the mode that sucks. Right. The most. That's, the, that's the hard <laughs> mode. And it's the one that requires deep work. It requires intense focus. It requires you to structure your life around it so that you can actually do it. Uh, and so like realistically, it's just, the beginning just is super hard and it has to be. And there's no way around that fact. I think, you know, everybody's always trying to look for the shortcut to how, how do I get, how do, I just want to become a programmer. I just want to become an artist. I just want to become whatever. And at the very beginning, they just stumble and it's super hard and it makes you want to quit. There's no shortcut. And you're just looking for shortcuts. You're reading book after book and blog, you know, mm-hmm. blog post or blog post of people's who have made it. We're trying to find their recommendations for it. It's what like you quit do. reading and just go build just really shitty things. Buckle <laughs> down. That's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah. And, and then look at them and be like, why is this so shitty? Yeah, and, and just, find out, wow. yeah, and, and the shittiness isn't, it's not the shittiness of yourself. It's the shittiness of the thing that you made. Correct. You know? And those are very importantly different. Um, and, uh, and just accepting that fact that you're going to make shitty stuff for a long time. And that shitty stuff is the road to good stuff. Yeah. You think I'm a piece of shit, but no, that thing is a piece exactly. of shit. Right. Yeah, you're, you're just and actually living your life. You you're know? pretty great for having at least made something because yeah. most people don't even get to that. Stage. Most people don't even make a piece right. of shit. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Thing, I, I think that a lot of people get really hung up, especially like in these like artistic type of fields, like game development or writing is a really good example. They get really hung up on like my idea. Well, I've got my idea, my really good idea for a game, <laughs> and I don't want to waste any time making anything that's Less than my magnificent idea, you know. I could, if I put this out there, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be recognized. I'm gonna be successful. Mm. I'm gonna make money off this. But it's like you're never gonna get there if you don't just put the work in to make some other crap first. You're gonna yep. have to like disappoint yourself a couple times before you can put out like 24 karat gold. Correct. You know, it's funny so, how that idea just like goes out of control too. Yeah, like, I do that probably every day. <laughs> I know. We just talked about this with Taylor. Like, well, oh my like, god, it'd be so awesome if I made this awesome game. Yeah, I mean, like in, in terms of just saying it's, it, it's, it's free to do the verbal thing and be like, it would be cool yeah. if we did blah, right? And I think that's actually a good exercise to get into because it lets you get those creative juices. Yeah, separating the ideation from the actual implementation is really important because if you confuse the two, 
especially if you're in a partnership of some sort, then you just shut down each other at the wrong time constantly. Yeah. Right? Someone will be like, oh, what about this? And you're like, well, that's not feasible. It's like, shut up, Steve. I was trying to just <laughs> think <laughs> possible solutions. Um, but I think the the thing about the, the sort of execution uh, gap with regard to like a, a great idea that you've had before you've actually learned how to do the craft is that usually – Your idea is not great. Yeah, usually once you learn yeah. how the craft works – you're horrified by your previous yeah. ideas of what was good. Yeah. You well, know? well, and your, your complete lack of understanding of what it would take to, to yes. do that. So, I mean, I, I think people yeah. love the Nintendo switch and, and it's an incredible machine. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think any idiot could just go, you know, it'd be super cool if like the controller <laughs> turned into two controllers <laughs> that I would snap it in half. Yeah. And so like yeah. anybody can just <laughs> say that. Yeah. And then think I'm a genius, right? But yeah, then yeah. the six years of engineering required to actually figure out all of the potholes and, and like mm-hmm, bump speed mm-hmm. bumps and, and figuring out how to navigate that. Building new technology, training personnel to actually be able to do anything with it, yeah. marketing the thing. Yeah, marketing it, uh figure like how do you manufacture it? How do you package it? You know, like you, anybody can can conceive of an idea and just blurt it out into the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, the real work is in the execution of that thing. Yeah. My, yeah, yeah. To, like to me, the I find literally no value in ideas whatsoever. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's it's a thing that I it's a thing that I learned from my career as a scientist, which is ideas are a hundred percent wrong all of the time. <laughs> so they they have they have put no, that on a t shirt. <laughs> motivational poster. Oh, yeah, they have no inherent value. The only value comes from execution. And so, yeah. so learning how to execute is far and away the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because then once you can execute, then now all of a sudden you – when you have an idea, the idea becomes about execution of a thing. It's like the idea itself has no merit standing on its own. It becomes the seed of execution, uh, which is where all the value actually yeah, comes I think from. My, my favorite quote for me to sort of end the thing with was uh, people want to be the noun without doing the verb. And I think nice an Austin Cleon quote or something. Like yeah. that. But a poet um, would say that. Uh, don't you dare! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so something something along those lines because I think again, it's you'll spend you could spend infinite time researching how to get shortcuts, but the reality is you're now just hours behind people who are actually doing. You're just put, you're just putting <laughs> off the real work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, authors likes to say that. Yeah, the ideas are a dime a dozen, you know, like you were saying, it's the execution that matters. And and to prove a bet, he um, he was like, look, here's the thing. I'll write a I'll write a book series based off any two ideas that you throw at me and I'll combine them. And they were like, fine, Pokemon and and, and the and the lost Roman Legion or whatever. And he's like, OK. And he went back and now he has like a best selling book series. Oh, is that that's Codex like of yeah, exactly. Yep. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Jim Butcher. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and game jams are are the perfect encapsulation of this. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody starts right. with the same theme, and then what happens from there? Execution. Yep. Right. That's what the entire forty eight hours is, and you get a pretty yeah. wide range of outcomes. Yep. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, you know what? Like we're at an hour 20. I'm sure that if we put our minds to it, we could go for like another several hours. You know, we could just kill Monday right now. (laughs) uh, Get that out of the way. (laughs) But uh, I'm sure you guys have things to do. So that is true. We We do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So like, yeah, if you guys want, I can let you go and we can uh, we can part ways and sounds good. Uh, All right. 
Thanks for having yeah. us on the cast. This is awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, before we do let you go, will you guys share some links so that people can get a hold of you? Yeah. Shout out all your social media that you want to share, website, or where they the can only, find your podcast. Probably yeah. the only thing we care about, we don't care about Twitter, don't care about Facebook. <laughs> uh, the only thing we care about is that you sign up for our newsletters. Oh, that's true. That'd Where's that one? one? If you just go to our website, bscotch.net. And just like there's poke, a button, you just poke around, you'll find it without mm-hmm. any trouble. But I think actually the most important thing, because because you, your podcast listeners anyway, is go to go to our podcast, yes, which is at podcast.bscotch.net. And related to podcasts, we also have a convention coming up. We do. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. On October twentieth, if that's the kind of thing you're into in St. Louis, yeah. St. Louis, I'm play, playing out. Yeah, come play I'm Levelhead not, before. Not, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come play Levelhead before it actually. Anybody else gets to play. And we'll be doing a live podcast episode at the thing. So mm-hmm. wow. that is true. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, also, just because, I don't know, go to, what is it? Moneygrab.bscotch.net. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you just want to give us money. <laughs> yeah, we'll just take awesome. that yeah. money. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't actually, you don't have to listen to our podcast. Just give us the money. We'll yeah. Do that part. Cut, call the, it, cut call the crap. Cut out, right? yeah. cut out the middleman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for reals, thank you guys so much for being on. This was a lot of fun. I know all of our listeners probably like you guys better than us, so we're uh, we're really super. Well, it's true. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like popped into your guys' Discord the other day, and like a dude that was like involved heavily with like listening to our podcast and giving us feedback and stuff in the Inception was like a mod in your guys' Discord now. And I was like, nice <laughs> proof. Uh, that's great good good community yeah. overlap mm-hmm. i like it yeah. oh heck yeah. yeah man that's the thing I, I i love just like i love the game dev community in general because it's always it's inclusive and and positive for the most part you know there's a few bad apples in there but uh yeah, a... but yeah cool wrap us up brett absolutely I, we appreciate you guys uh talking with us and hanging out this has been a super awesome time i i think it goes without saying that uh, you guys are welcome back anytime it's your podcast now so all All rights reserved so um absolutely and uh if you guys ever have any like you know news that you want to share just uh you know feel free to to drop me a line and i can help pitch it on our podcast and everything or or whatever works great thanks and uh yeah and uh just for everybody listening you can uh, you can hit me and Taylor up. We're on Twitter at GameDevsQuest. You can email us gdq at airpodcast.com. And uh, you can join our Discord. We're uh, bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And thanks so much. We I can now say that I got to have some coffee with butterscotch. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, buddy. Awesome, cool, guys. guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks a lot. Have yeah. a good week. You too.